going to take it. Got it! Boston wins! Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. Welcome in to another edition of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. He's Bob Ryan. I'm Jeff Goodman. And uh, the numbers are a lot better here in Massachusetts, Robert. And uh, I'm taking the plunge today, believe it or not. Um, my wife made reservations for us to go to Maine for three nights, uh, somewhere, uh, Cape Elizabeth town near Portland. Yeah. I assume you've been there at some point, right? I've been, well, I've, I've heard of, I haven't been there specifically, but I, I've been through, you know, that Portland area enough. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a place where we can check in. We don't really have to have any interaction with anybody. We've got our own entrance, our own exit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I didn't know what to do, but honestly, I, I've been, I've been going stir crazy, um, in my own house for, for this long that I feel like I need something different, something new. Tell me I'm, 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 I'm not crazy to do this. We're all, we're all, we're all antsy, uh, in, in, in different ways. And I've, I've been, you know, uh, just thinking about all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I did have to make a quickie overnight trip to Maine last week for an, uh, nothing. Well, I wouldn't call it an emergency, but it, it was an SOS uh, trip and uh, overnight. I interacted with nobody, uh, you know, other than my wife and her friend that she's yeah. staying with. And I came, turned around and came right back. But anyway, um, things are looser up there. I can tell you right now, um, you don't see the preponderance of face masks that you see here. And because you already know that from your little excursions into New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even Newburyport now, Bob, to be no, honest, no. I, I went a month ago and you'd see, I don't know, 80, 90 percent um, wearing masks. And now I'm telling you, we're one of probably 10, maybe 20 percent that are wearing wow. them around Newburyport. Well, down here on the Tony South Shore uh, of, of Boston, uh, in my town, uh, it's still pretty, pretty high percentage mask wearing. Good. Even at the dump, uh, for example, or as they call it, the transfer station. But you know, <laughs> the those who have longer than ten years still refer to it, and will always refer to it as the dump, right. not the transfer station. But uh, you know how that goes. So anyway, even here now we're wearing uh, masks, and I see people have been very good. I mean, and, and it's a, and you go to stores, and and like it, the signs are right there: do not enter. And the post office do not enter, and people are are heeding that around here. Uh, now we're not we're not thumbing our nose at the law yet down here. That's probably yeah. imminent. <laughs> so my, my my bigger question will be: um, Do we do an outdoor restaurant in Portland, I Maine, did. while we're there? That's a big I made, one. I made my debut two nights ago did. here. And did my first one. Oh, fine. You know, uh, the, the servers all had masks. We diners did not. It was spaced properly. It was adhering to the, the rules. And um, uh, and I'm, I'll be going to a couple. You know, I'll be doing that now with some semi regularity while I'm, I'm a living this bachelor existence here. My <laughs> wife is up in Maine. But uh, uh, you know, last night the only reason I didn't do it last night it was too damn cold. Seriously, yeah, that's the problem. So uh, Thursday is supposed to be great. 80, that's my kind of day. Thursday should be a perfect night for outdoor dining. I'm, I'm targeting that. So you'll be doing a solo a solo meal on Thursday night I, somewhere? I, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I'm going out tomorrow night with my daughter, but uh, who's back? Thank God, like she's back working. Her job has been restored, and that's really good news for her and for uh, everybody. So that's good. So anyway, I I will I, I will be doing some outdoor dining. Yes. All right. So here's my bigger dilemma. Here, here's another dilemma that I've got. I, I need your advice on this one. <laughs> Slow pitch softball, Bob. Uh, we're starting up in two weeks, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think there's even preseason games probably this week. I'm not planning those. But uh, how concerned should I be about slow pitch softball? Should I play? Should I not play? Well, first of all, are they obviously are they planning on wearing masks? I, I doubt it. I can't imagine. How you, how you got it? You're not going to be able to social distance. I mean, Dr. Fauci would not approve. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm not going to. Be, I'm not going to be judgmental. Seriously, I'm not going to try to be ridiculous. And and I'm taking heed. You know, the, uh, I'm just taking it all in. You know, the numbers about fatalities from this uh, so skew so heavily yeah. to to the elderly, elderly, and yeah. and of course I'm in the elderly category, but the I'm not in the uh, the ultra uh, elder. I couldn't play in this uh, St. Petersburg softball league yet. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I stopped at 75, and you know that, right? And uh, um, the uh, and the extremely obese. And thank God I don't fit into that category. But, uh, you know, I mean, I I don't know, though. You guys are going to, I mean, social distancing is impossible. Uh, yeah, for the most part, right? I mean, I, I guess you can. You've got the bat. You're next to the catcher. You're, well, your the, catcher can sit. the catcher can oh, go right. back probably. Right. So the only time when I think you're, you're really worried is, you know, you hit a grounder to short. You know, he throws the first, and you're coming up on the first baseman at the same time when he's catching it for the most part. First baseman is going to be – anyway, I'm not going to be I, – I, I, good, good for you. Go get him. <laughs> yeah, I haven't made the decision yet. I haven't okay. made it. Um, I, you know, as much as I want to get out there, which I do, I mean, I just want to do something at this point, and sure. it sounds great. Sure. Um, yeah, there is some kind of trepidation on the fact of – of of doing it, but I think we're all at a point where we're making decisions, right? You've got to make decisions to, yeah. to, to step forward and what are those and how far do we go? And, um, you know, my dad, um, God bless his soul. He's 74 ish. No, he's older than that. I think he said, I don't know. I, I can't keep up. He's older than that. He works, he works at a, at a mom and pop shoe store uh, down the Cape. And he retired, I don't know, going back six, seven years ago and couldn't do it. So he, he's making like 12 bucks an hour at a mom and pop shoe store. And he wants to go back to work right now. And his problem is he's so social, Bob. And it's oh. kind of the, the type of shoe store where they come in and he'll help them try the shoes on and, and all that. And, and we told him, my mom and I, like, no, no, you can't. If you're going to go back, you can't do that anymore. You've got to stay behind whatever partition they have, hopefully. And yeah. All you can do is check them out, say hello to them. That's yeah, fine, but I don't know if he can remember that. Uh, I hope he exercises proper judgment. That's all I can say. <laughs> I, I hope he. I hope he does too. I hope he does too. What else you got going on? Anything else in, in, in bachelorhood uh, right now? Oh, uh, <laughs> no, no. I'm working on. Uh, I'm working on a project that you know I don't. I don't want to reveal yet because okay. it's not fulfilling it's not but I'm, I'm i'm so i've been engaged in in, in that and um uh, but I'm, I'm fine i'm still reading you know and um, i'm reading a really uh, a tough one now 
uh, tough and it, it, it's so laden with names and places and you know it's one of those books where oh yeah with this name now i gotta go back two pages yeah. oh yeah that's one those of the, are frustrating yeah and i haven't read a book that has challenged me to do that in a while so uh, i'm fine i'm i'm that's um, again. I say to everybody, I uh, have absolutely in the world we're living in, in, in the context of everything, I have absolutely, I have absolutely no complaint. I, I have the same antsiness as everybody else, the same frustrations as everybody else. But I'm healthy, uh, and, and we're solvent, and 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 God knows we're not. We, we have no reason to complain. Bob, how many books have you written in your life? Fourteen plus an edited one other. I was, uh, I, which I really was thrilled to do it was uh, an anthology of the best of sport magazine oh, yeah. and uh and there was a second one such one the first one appeared in 1955 10 years into sports illustrated's existence it was founded in 1946 and uh, about 10 12 years ago maybe more a little more uh, uh i was approached uh what happened and i know they tapped me because in 1989 what just on the verge of becoming a full-time columnist. My last big story I wrote before I became a full-time columnist at the Globe when I was like a general assignment kind of thing was I went and I, I wanted to do a story on sport because it was the formative magazine for so many of us uh, growing up in the 50s and 60s. Uh, Sports Illustrated was a little over our head. And, you know, at first, you know, when you're 14, 10 years, 12 years old, sport got to the gut. I always said that. That was the, you had to have it. Yeah. And 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 I, I, I was a faithful subscriber. Well, I wanted to convey this, I, and I happen to have 136 back issues of Sport Magazine, I think I counted one day, including the original one in 1946 with Joe DiMaggio and Little Joe on the cover. And, and I read every word of every issue in, in, a, in a specific year. I think it was 1959 or 60. And it took me a while, but I literally read every single article, produced every ad, and I wrote a big takeout story in the Sunday Globe about Sport Magazine. I talked to uh, I, I, I talked to Ed Fitzgerald, who had been the editor in uh, its halcyon days in the 50s and 60s, uh, and and you know got his perspective on everything. And anyway, well, these people who bought the magazine when it, it was finally sold, uh, it was a Canadian group. Uh, they got a hold of me about uh, in mid 2000s and asked me if I would be interested in being an editor to uh, put out an anthology and select the best of sport. And I did. And uh, that was a, that was a, Hey, it was fun, but you know, it, the responsibility, you know, and, oh, you know, you want, you know, and, and the pick and choose, you can imagine it was great. But so anyway, uh, that's my one editing thing. The only thing I've ever done of that nature, but 14 books, three of them are as told to's with, you know, Celtic, John Havlicek, Bob Cousy and Larry uh, and uh, the rest. Are those of, the uh, easiest ones? Are those the easiest ones to write? Just no, because they, no, no, they're, they're the nightmare ones. Why? Um, of all the physical work involved with the transcriptions and thank god my mother was a a, a world-class secretary i mean she was fantastic she really? she transcribed the, all the tapes from the nikuzi book and the havlicek book and um did you pay I, her? I'm trying to did you pay her any money uh i believe me offered to but you know she didn't i was the only little boy you know how it goes i was the only child you know and uh um, she, so, but if you, otherwise you're going to have to get somebody to pay to do that stuff. And, and, and then you, you want to, you're trying to get as much verbatim as possible, you know, of the, but, and you got to retain that subject's voice, you know, the voice. And, um, it's, uh, and there, I got three different people here, John Havlicek, Bob Cousy, and who was the kind of the easiest to work with because he wrote so much out himself that you didn't even have to do anything, but just copy. Really? He, he, 
he had a he had a higher percentage of absolute positive verbatim than than the other two you know but um the other two you know you go you you spend time with them and in each case a week Havel check was in columbus ohio we literally jeff sat on the banks of the olentangy really and, uh, on a nice beautiful july uh, week in 1976 and and i on the little old uh, cassette tape recorder you know yep. and talked to him and, and did all that and with larry i spent a week with him in french lick in the summer of of 1997 and uh, uh, and then did the transcription. No, they they were hard. Um, the, they're all all books. I always say it, it, uh, are like giant term papers hanging over your head every day you get up out of bed until they're done. That's that's what it feels like. And and uh, maybe there have been two or three of the fourteen that were actually kind of fun due to the nature of them and how you know to write. Uh, one which I did uh, on commission which is kind of funny because it came out in 2003. It's called When the Red Sox Won the World Series. And it was the 100th anniversary of the 03 World Series, the first one held. And of course, the Red, we all know what was going on up to 19, 2004. And they asked me to do this. And that was fun because I researched it. And I found out that I, I, I became in the alter ego of, of Tim Murnane. Who's Tim Murnane? Tim Murnane was the Peter Gammon of the, his time. He was the renowned baseball writer in Boston. And of town where there was a lot of baseball writing he had been a player he was a player in the 70s uh 1870s and 1880s who turned and he was a quite literate fellow and his descriptions of stuff first of all he had the insight because he was a player you know yeah. his, his baseball insight was great and the big thing about this about that book the fun thing was the everything between the lines is so remarkably similar some of the dynamics of course, everything outside the lines is very different. But, you know, five-man pitching staff, though, that's one thing that, that changed for the whole season. All right. really? The whole season had a five-man pitching staff. No yeah. way. Oh, yeah, five. And, you know, you, wow. you're, you're, you're going to start, and you're going to finish, and that's the end of that. <laughs> no matter what. But a lot of the other dynamics were, were – anyway, that was fun, researching that. And, of course, they you learned a lot. Out. And yeah. then, plus oh, – way, yeah, plus I didn't even realize uh, and there, that the World Series – was the result of a challenge. And the challenge was not in, offered by the upstart American League team, the Red Sox, or the, up, the, the, you know, the, the, the rebel American League. It was offered, issued by the Char, uh, Bar, Barney Dreyfus, the owner of the Pirates from the Haughty National League. And, and he offered the challenge, and that became the first. Well, and, you know, it happened in 04, the, the Giants won the National League, and Red Sox won again, and John McGraw, refused to play the American League. He didn't want to acknowledge the existence of the American League, and he refused to play. Now, he wasn't the owner, but he was John McGraw. He was the manager, and the owner, went. Charles Andrew Friedman, they went along with it. And, and that's why there's no World Series in 04. Uh, uh, and, uh, wow. 2004. Wow. Well, anyway, but I'm just, that's neither here nor there with the Red Sox of 03. That book was fun. I enjoyed writing that book. And the other book- you write I'm, another I'm, one? Are you, are you done writing books, or will you write another one? I may not be. I mean, you, you were alluding to the project. That's why yeah, I asked. Yeah, I know. I may not be, but it's, 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 way, it's in the embryonic discussion yeah. stage. Okay. All right. Something has popped up, and we'll right. see. Put it in that way. I think we need, we need maybe another. The, maybe the Lord the, needs another Bob Ryan book. Maybe by the next time we talk, I might have, I might have some. Breaking news? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. All right. I'm, we like breaking well, news here on, on the Ryan and Goodman podcast. We, we don't mean, mind. I would break it right here, uh, you know, if, if there's anything to break. But uh, uh, oh, oh, the other book, and I'll get off my filibuster here, that I really did enjoy was 48 Minutes. 
with Terry Pluto. And, and for people who don't know, uh, that was a book in which we, and I kindly use the word appropriated rather than stole, we appropriated Daniel O'Quint's nine innings book that he wrote in, in uh, 1983 about one Orioles Brewers game at the end of the near the end of the season in which they went play by play, pitch by pitch, play by play, and with all the backstories of the people involved, you know, and everything, and, and dissected a baseball game from all different kind of angles. And I got a phone call from my, an old friend at the time, Terry Pluto, who I, you know, known as a writer in Cleveland. And, and he said uh, he was now a new guy on the beat with the Cavaliers in the 86, 87 season. Uh, he had switched over from baseball to basketball. And he was, and he had this idea of, could we do this same idea for basketball? And I said, well, it's a more fluid game. You know, yeah, you have plays and you got exchanges and possessions, but it's not quite like the, the linear the right. progression of a baseball game. But yeah, we, maybe we could. Well, long story short, we did. I'll give him full credit for it. It was his idea. And we, we had three opportunities. We, we, we had to be the Cavaliers and the Celtics. Celtics were the defending champion that year. Yep. And he had the Cavaliers. And they had Brad Doherty and, and right. Mark Price and Ron, Ron Harper, Hot Rod Williams. They had a young, dynamic team, you know, on the move. And, and, and Lenny Wilkins, his first year coaching them. And they were going to be in Boston once and in Hartford once. And we, we decided we wanted the game to be in Boston Garden, not at Cleveland. You know, that was the whole point. Well, January 16, 1987, a Friday night, here come the Cavaliers. And that's gonna, and we're gonna see how the game goes. If the game doesn't, if it sucks yeah. and there's nothing not there, into yeah. and there's no drama and there's no anything, all right, we'll take another shot. And we, you know, later in the year, there's another yeah. time they're coming in. Well, that night, hit the jackpot. Hit the damn jackpot. Uh, first of all, uh, the, 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 the Cav- uh, Terry was really plugged in with the team by that point, and the Cavaliers had to make a transition that day, a transaction that day. Got and the transaction was signed Craig Elo. Sure. All right. And he was in with Wayne Embry about how that all came about. Then he was plugged in with the trainer. And the trainer was so funny. He hated the Celtics. He hated going to the garden. He swore that they turned the, you know, the heat up and the shower was off and then the cold war. He bought all that stuff, you know, and he, and he was spewing venom up against his, well, that was, he was part of the story. Right. Okay. And, um, and for my part, I got the defending champion Celtics. I got Bird at his peak. I got Mikhail in the midst of his greatest season until he got hurt. His absolute greatest season. You know, and they're kicking butt in January of 87, and, and, and it's great. Long story short, we get an overtime game because the Cavaliers played their ass off in this game, and they got benefit of a crucial late bogus call by a rookie ref. But the other ref in the game was Earl Strom, <laughs> the ultimate frontier yep. justice referee. So we had those two things going on. And the game was just wonderful. It was a great game. So it was so easy and much fun to work off. And the and, and way we did it, what we each, first of all, we each were working. We each covered the game for our papers. Yeah. We each got a tape of the game and watched the game ourselves and wrote down every single play that we, you know, every, in our running sheets. We each took it to, uh, he took it to, uh, and we sat down and watched the whole game with Lenny Wilkins for him to tell him what was going on from their perspective. Yeah. I sat down with Jimmy Rogers the assistant coach, watch the game from his perspective and telling me what's going on. Why not KC? Because frankly, KC wasn't analytical. KC was about, he he wouldn't have been as good. I knew Jimmy was so scholarly about it. He would be, I mean, KC was all about people, relations, great players. He wasn't about X's and O's, you know, he just wasn't. And, 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 and I knew he wouldn't going to be as good, but you know what he did do? He's such a nice man. And, and he didn't even feel offended. I didn't ask him. 
Because he invited me and I sat in the locker room for the pregame meeting. Really? He let you? Yes. Wow. And so that was my, I never, honestly, you know, I was in the locker room. Right. You had all that going into it. Right. So I was in the locker room, one and only time ever, for the pregame, the whole pregame, the whole pregame. Not until they took the floor. That's and it. everything no you could use. You could use right. all of it? No writer, whatever I wanted. No writer gets to do that. Wow. And so that book and the way we did it, Terry would write first. It was so de- it was so great. And then send me what he wrote. And I could play off him. So he played like the straight man yep. to my punchline guy. Sure. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? And and that book was fun. And they gave us a, the vehicle. was yeah. The game was terrific. And, and so, all right. Anyway, I liked writing that book. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports are slowly making its way back with the UFC, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. Bet Online has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Uh, we've also got NBA Futures, Lakers plus 225, Clippers plus 300, Bucks plus 325. Those are the three favorites, no surprise there. Uh, need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, all the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm pretty sure the day of that game, either the day of or the day before, as a 15-year-old, I interviewed Hot Rod Williams and Ron Harper in their team hotel at the Copley at the the, the Copley uh, Westin, yeah, uh, or Marriott. Marriott. I think they were at the Marriott. Okay. Uh, so as a 15-year-old, Whoa. interviewing both of them, Hot Rod in his hotel room, uh, and and Ron Harper, uh, I think in the lobby, if I re- recall correctly. And we, did, I did a lot of them when I was 15, 16 years old. Every oh, wow. team that would come in, Bob, every team yeah. that would come in. I mean, listen, I knew the hotel operators so well that uh, <laughs> one of them, a, a woman, you know, my voice, I was 15, but I sounded like I was 13. So I, I sounded <laughs> like a little girl. And she would, even though certain players had blocks on their 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 lines, Magic, yeah. Michael, uh, those were the kind of two back yeah. then, she would yeah. put me through anyway. She would Got put it. me through. They didn't agree to do the interviews, Michael and, 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 and Magic, but like the first one I ever did, I think I've told you, James Worthy and Michael Cooper. When they came okay. in, I was at the hotel. Um, I asked them with a buddy of mine, we were both about 14, 15, asked them if we could interview them for our school newspaper. They said yes. Uh, they had probably just gotten back from the shoot-around yeah. the day before. Yeah. Uh, and they said call back that night. Well, we didn't know. We came home, and, and we didn't have any questions. Had nothing, Bob. So we're writing down a bunch of questions, you know, really bad questions. You know, who was your idol when you were younger? You know, the basic questions. And then we're thinking, oh, no, like, how are we going to record this? So you go back to it. My dad, on his answer machine, if you remember the answer machines back then, they had the little micro cassette recorders. Yes. So James Worthy was the first one we did. Again, I'm, I'm 14, but I sound like I'm 12. And you hit record on the cassette recorder on the answer machine, and it beeps every two or three seconds. So James Worthy can hear this. Again, 12-year-old girl, I sound like. The beep is going to beep, beep through the whole interview. And he does it without flinching. 
and and Cooper, same thing. And you just like looking back on that, you just think about like how classy it was for them to do that back then. I mean, no question, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, that's a great story. That that's great. No, no question. Well, I, they just I like them both, but they just both went up in my in my picking. Yeah, yeah, worthy. Worthy, I saw a couple of years ago and, and, and told him that. He didn't remember it, obviously. Yeah. But uh, and, and Michael Cooper, I know, does a podcast with, with our guy Nick uh, on, on the CLNS Network, and I'd love to be able to tell him that. I just – you know, those are things you never forget. Oh. And I've interviewed millions of – I mean, I don't know how many since then, but, but, like, you'll never forget those. As my daughter right now is starting to do some of these interviews. She's on Instagram. And for some reason, she's gotten the bug. She didn't like sports for the first 15 years. All of a sudden, she's gotten the bug, Bob. So she's done interviews on Instagram every single day this week. Last night, I kind of set her up with Baylor coach Scott Drew, who's been kind of her biggest fan because uh, he knows her whole backstory. And you yeah. just, you know, everybody who does these interviews that I know with her, you're, ne- you're never going to forget that because, no. again, it's just, to me, it, it means so much at a point when she's trying to break in and a lot of people aren't going to take her seriously, which I understand as a 16 year old girl, it's not easy. Um, But, but she's so much better than, than I am. And I think part of the reason Bob is when you and I, first of all, you and I grew up as writers, not TV people, number one. And when we grew up, we weren't on camera. Like kids are on their phone all the time doing videos and going live and all that stuff. So they're so much more comfortable than you and I were when we made the transition to do anything on camera. No, I mean, it's, it's an, I know it's, it's, I cannot imagine the nature of their existence. I mean, I go, when I'm watching, I got 20 year old grandchildren. I've got, watch them grow up in this world and understand because you know even my own daughter has skipped it you know and she's in you know she's she's conversant with everything now but but she had to skip it she was older um i had no adolescent experience of that nature whatsoever uh my but my big come to jesus moment when you know when i uh, was the I'm, I'm the bc play-by-play broadcaster okay and one night we're sitting there and, and red is in the house he's scouting scouting john austin and and I look up at halftime and they're walking him across the court toward me without any indication. No, I didn't ask for him. Uh, you know, the producer or whatever the one they call that somebody must have. Anyway, here comes Red Auerbach and I'm, I'm about peeing in my pants now, you know, I'm going to interview Red Auerbach and I wasn't, and I did. And there's a wonderful photo that they took of it. It's in my book scribe. You, you can see it. And I got it signed and he, but Red and, and that, I mean, I was just on the Hamana, Hamana, the Ralph Cramden thing with us, but I, I got through it. But boy, that was a moment. Of, just seeing him coming toward me, I'll never forget the sight and, and, and the feeling, oh my God, I'm going to talk to Red Auerbach. <laughs> so by that time I was 20, 21, maybe 20 probably, but yeah. I had no adolescent experience of that nature, but oh, what a thing. That's great for her. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy for it. It's, it's yeah. She's thing. having fun and I'm, I'm having a blast with it. Cause again, oh, you know, she's, yeah. she's having me now, you know, <clears throat> teach her about like football where she again first 15 years she didn't care she didn't care yeah. about football she didn't care about basketball so it's like a crash course as much as possible um but it is it, it, it's it's an absolute blast I mean an absolute blast so it's, it's yeah, been that's great. as you know by now I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health 
by starting Awaken 180 Weight Loss. I've already dropped about 18 pounds, and I'm not the only one. Kendrick Perkins is down about 30 pounds, and we're just two of 11,000 who found the solution for weight loss. No gym, no medication, no tricks, or gimmicks. Awaken 180, a combination of science, nutrition, and expert one-on-one -on -one coaching. If you have weight to lose, I recommend you call Paige and her team. You'll lose weight starting the first week and each and every week until you get to your ideal weight. Awaken 180, six locations, but during this lockdown, they're starting clients virtually. The same program from the comforts of your home. Simply log in to awaken180weightloss.com. Fill out the form online and start your weight loss transformation. Awaken 180 Weight Loss, the official weight loss program for the Boston Red Sox. All right, let's move on to I yeah. think there's two topics that we can we can kind of go through here. And uh, I think number one goes back to, to last weekend's call um, that 80 NBA players had about their hesitation uh, about restarting the season. And it was led by Kyrie Irving. I actually was on well, – wasn't on it, but I heard a lot of it. I heard a mm -hmm. lot of it, Bob. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kyrie was vocal. Chris Paul was vocal. Dwight Howard was on there. C.J. McCollum was on there. Uh, LeBron was not on there, which yeah. is a surprise. Uh, Garrett Temple, I thought was – I think Garrett Temple, I don't know how much you know about him, but um, father is Collis Temple, who, who's yeah. a very, very smart man, first black um, basketball player for LSU. And, and Garrett is so smart, so smart. I, I feel like he should be the, the, the NBA Players Association president. He's that okay. he's that equipped, I think, for that mm -hmm. role. But you know, Kyrie came up. Uh, you know, he had some quotes in there that were certainly uh, interesting. Um, you know, one of which was, was basically that not everybody in this league, you know, uh, you know, makes makes a ton of money, and they're trying to divide us. You know, I, I just I understand it. I, I get it. I heard Damian Lillard talk about it yesterday that they don't want to take the focus away from impacting change right now. And they almost feel like if they're playing basketball, a lot of the black players um, that, that, that they are kind of uh, taking away from their platform uh, to, to create uh, and sustain change with everything that's happened with, with George Floyd and some of the other um, issues that have arised. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it because I'm not in their shoes, Bob. So it's so hard for me to relate. But I feel like can't they do both? And and I think a lot of players on that call also felt like, hey, listen, we're not. And you've heard it from other people. Ed Davis came out with a quote basically saying, hey, listen, Kyrie's making thirty million a year. We're not all making thirty million a year. A lot of us, a lot of players, um, need this money, and also have to worry about if they don't play this season what the new CBA because they can scrap it I think so what what that could look like next year um and one of the players I couldn't tell who it was 
by their voice on the call. But one of them made it clear on that is Donovan Mitchell said he was worried about getting hurt. And if he gets hurt, how that would, um, how that would impact him getting paid potentially 150, 160 million. He's eligible for an extension. And, uh, and somebody said, well, Donovan, here's the deal. If we don't play at all, you're not getting that 150 million. So you can, I, think they're I, I, I don't see the inherent contradiction that there is an inherent contradiction between their continued pursuit of, of the cause and playing. In fact, they would have a platform available better to play if they're playing. It seems to me, I'd like to know what, what concretely, what would you, what would you be doing if you don't play to further the cause? What group, what, you know, what would you be your specific, we need to have, if you're going to take this, go down that road, then tell us what you're planning on doing that would preclude you from playing. I, I, and that, and I'm not dismissing the sincerity sure. or, or intelligence, any of that. I just want to hear that, that, and I think it seems to me, and I think to a lot of people that, you, you would have the platform available to you better by playing. And, hey, the NBA is the, is the progressive league. The NBA is the league that, that you're going to be able to, to, to sound off, if you will, with, with, without fear of, of, of retribution as opposed to other leagues. So, I mean, that's all. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get into You know, Kyrie doesn't – he's almost like the little – the pebble in the shoe of the, of the, of the league. He's in the a wrong way. guy. Unfortunately, from – yeah. Uh, you know, we, he's got to be hurt. He, he thinks he's a leader. He, 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 he's yet again, he's trying to lead. Uh, and, and does he really know how to lead is the question. I, that's fine. You know, I don't doubt his sincerity uh, and, and I, uh, at all. No, but no, as far as. Well, Bob, he may not even play. He's hurt. No, he not not, no, play. no, I know, I know, but he's, he's the feels, right guy. That's my take. Is he the right, the right guy? And speaking for the dispossessed, I don't think he's the guy that can be speaking for the dispossessed necessarily. Um, you know, or the, so, or the less possessed, whatever the word you want to use. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it doesn't surprise me that it isn't going to go as smoothly as, and, and hunky-dory as they thought it was as people start really thinking things out. And also, the complete complication from the, of, of, of everything that's happened from George Floyd on in three weeks, dial us back 22 days, 23 days, before George Floyd and what their mindset was about things and their eagerness to get back to work, their willingness to accept the idea that they could be protected safely and all that. Now throw in this entire other dynamic, complete other thing that, that's on the mind of, in a league that's so predominantly uh, 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 populated by black players. I understand it's complicated things enormously, but uh, now somebody's got to take a deep breath and, and say, wait a minute, uh, we, we, we need, I think we, we, we need to play. And, and we'll find a way to, to, to participate in the cause while we're playing. There, there was so little talk when I was hearing the call about the, the concern about uh, the, the coronavirus and, and, and all the details. Well, how about, uh, it was really more about the cause. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there was some talk about um, kind of inequality in terms of uneven playing field. That came up at one point of, hey, we've got some players uh, on our team that are living in apartments that haven't been able to work out quite as much as others. You know what? At this point, so be it. I, I think the injury, the injury one is is real. That is, I mean, that's real, I guess, because but they're not rushing them back. That's always that's always the case right. of injury in any sport. You're going to play. Could you could get hurt? I mean. I, I'm dismissing that one, frankly. I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you that that could happen. Yes, it could happen. Well, the, the, you know, here's the deal, right? Like, 
I'm looking at it now. Um, the timetable, July 1st, uh, required individual workouts uh, for players on the 22 teams with the end date uh, coinciding with which day uh, that team would arrive at Disney Campus. So they're going to arrive basically July 7th, 8th, and 9th. Training camps are basically three weeks. So you're getting a full three weeks. Uh, and, and then it looks like uh, the scrimmages start July 21st and, uh, and the season starts July 30th through August 14th. So they get three full weeks for the most part for training camp. That's probably more than they get when they, when they start. Uh, oh, it is. Right? Before they, they, get, before they start playing preseason games. I'm always surprised how quickly they're playing games after they actually report to camp. I'm yeah. always surprised. It's like eight, nine days, boom. No, that's not going that's, – that's sufficient. And presumably they're doing their best to stay in shape, and they, they have an obli- – you know, they have kind of sort of uh, an inherent obligation to, to try to stay in shape the best they can, and, and, and they can all do something. So, um, you know, even they went up and down a staircase, you know, they can do something. So, um, um, anyway, yeah, well, that's, that's reasonable. That's all. That's, that's reasonable. Do you think, guys, do you think we're going to see some big-name players say out of those 22 teams, I'm not playing? Do you think it's going to well, come down to that? I can – I still come down to the – it's the guys on the, 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 the superfluous teams that shouldn't even be there because we – you know, so – I'm just throwing a name out because of the stature of the player, and I and I'm, I'm and I've always liked them. Devin Booker, yeah. what's in it? What's in it for him? Very little. You know, Bradley, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is the same. Bradley Beal. What's in it for them? I mean, no, it's silly. I mean, and, and this is what the mistake is, and I guess it's not going to be rectified. And and I wouldn't be shocked. And if uh, you know, we've already heard. Wait, oh, 10, 12 days ago, we heard from or two weeks from Del, uh, Del, from Lillard yeah. about it. He was the first voice that I recall reading uh, expressing. Um, concern to satisfaction uh, uh, with, with the idea on, on a team that is not one of the playoff teams. Uh, you know, uh, so um, right now, I, I, so I, yeah, I can see somebody. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but it won't mess up the whole works. But it, 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 I think they have to prepare for that. I think that the the commissioner and, and, and people in power have to prepare for that. It's going to happen. The players, the players need to be the one thing that I noticed in the call is just kind of everybody uh, stating their their, their case, um, but not really. It was more of kind of an ideas. Carmelo was pretty vocal as well. Yeah, um, another one. I think it was just everybody kind of throwing out their thoughts as much as anything. But you wonder if they will get organized. Um, and, and that's going to be the key. And you wonder, again, if, if the big name uh, older guys – uh, agree with, you know, obviously LeBron wants to win a title. We know that. In particular, he's, I wouldn't think that LeBron, you just hit it. I would just, I would think that LeBron James uh, very much wants the season to be resumed, very much wants to pursue this championship very much and, and, and has to be heard from. And, and I think that would be the, as Tony Soprano would say, then it would be end of story. Let's move on. Patrick LeBron. Beverly tweeted that. Yeah. Patrick Beverly basically said, Hey, listen, we're going to do – if LeBron wants to play, we're playing, period. That's it. It's over, right? Yeah. I mean, all kidding aside, yeah, I think so. 
you know, now we go back to the back kicking around the, the other business. My point about the superfluous teams, and we hit it last time, Jeff. And it has to be said every time you'd be, we'd be remiss in saying that we must remain skeptical. Uh, one of the reasons for all this is the idea that they want you know who to be in the, have a shot to get in the playoffs. A certain guy who's Zion is the cash cow, isn't he? The future cash cow. Yes. We don't you, want, you need to answer that, Bob? Who is it? No, I have no idea. Don't need it. They'll call back. Is it your wife checking up on you? That's the landline. And so, you know, I, I know it's not directly from me. <laughs> I don't think. Definitely not your wife checking no, up on you, right? Well, I, I actually, you know, I told her we're, I told her what time we were going. We, 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 were, we were convening. <laughs> so she wouldn't be calling me now. <laughs> uh, all right. The other, the other, I think, and we're not college football guys. Neither one. I, I'm really not. I, I, I try to watch a little bit here or there, but I got to choose. Because I cover college hoops, Bob, I have to make a choice every weekend, NFL or college football. Uh, there are, there's no off-season in anything, and that includes colleges because of the recruiting seasons in colleges. The fact of the matter is that there's, there's only all sports. There's two seasons. You're playing games. You're not playing games. And when you're not playing games, you're getting almost as much coverage and, and sometimes as you are when you're playing games. So we get to Mike Gundy, who can't stay out of the news. He was put, he was put on this earth. In part, since we're not, you know, we have no emotional ties to Oklahoma State University for our amusement, uh, you know, he's and and, and our, our conversational fodder. He has he has provided uh, almost complete jobs for people uh, just dissecting the 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 utterings and and actions of Mike Gundy. Yeah, he, he so yeah. he goes on. He tweets a picture, I guess, of huh. they found a picture of him wearing a T-shirt. Uh, one American News Network, o OAN, uh, which basically is a is a right wing network uh, that that has at times degraded um, Black Lives Matter in, in the entire movement. So in turn, after that surfaces, his star running back and correct me if I, I don't know if I have his first name right. Is, is it Chuba Hubbard? Might be Chuba yeah. Hubbard. I, I don't know. I should know the I, answer. I don't. Yeah, I've too, but Hubbard, I know, Mr. Hubbard. Anyway, he, he tweets, uh, basically, this is unacceptable. It's insensitive. Uh, I won't stand for this. And, and I think his quote was, I will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State uh, until this changes. Well, something changed quickly, Bob, because after that, we saw a video surface with uh, Gundy and Hubbard together in which Gundy didn't really apologize. He, he, he never kind of said, I'm sorry, but somehow Hubbard did. And he had nothing to be sorry about. He had nothing to apologize about, but he's the one who apologizes. I say Mike Gundy, honestly, maybe it's too harsh right now. Uh, but, but how do you, I was going to say should be suspended or fired, but my, my bigger thing is how, if you are a, a, uh, a black player, which he's got probably, if you if you added up, 50% on that team. Yeah, sure. How are you playing for this clown, Bob? Wow. I would not be willing. I would not want to if I were him. I mean, uh, it's just, there's no accident. That's not an accident. Oh, I didn't know what I was wearing. You can't, there's not, he's not going to sell that one to me. So it is an amazingly insensitive thing to do in the context of who he is. You know, if, uh, amazingly insensitive or, or, I don't know if it's incentive or if it's deliberate act, it's incentive, or is it just possibly stupid? It's hard for me to believe he didn't know exactly what he was doing or wearing that particular shirt. Uh, so I, no, I don't know. The answer is, I don't know. I don't see, I know if I were one of those young men, uh, I would not want to play for him uh, uh, at all. Uh, 
you wonder why is how is it worth it to Oklahoma State? Is that good a coach? You know, no. there's other people out there you can find a coach. I'd have to look at his his resume, but I don't think it's that good, Bob, to where, you know, if this were an elite, elite coach, you would you would have no choice, right? Yeah. You think about what well, we I mean, I'm not saying but I mean it just the point is well, there's other coaches. Yeah, he was eight and five <laughs> last year, seven and six the year before. They went to like two average bowls. Before that, yeah. he had a run of three straight years where he was ten and three. But you know, last year they didn't finish ranked. Either the last two years they weren't ranked in the post in, in the in the final poll. They didn't they didn't win a lot of games. So what do you what do you do? And if you're Mike Holder, the athletic director, don't you just say but obviously the problem is the problem ultimately is what? The money people at Oklahoma State obviously like Mike Gundy. A big money guy passed away. Yes. Boom. I mean, there was probably nobody in America that did more specifically for one school other than perhaps uh, Phil Knight for Oregon. Yeah. Then uh, I would say we'll give him the, this, this gold medal. But T. Boom Pickens got the silver medal for, for individual philanthropy for an athletic program at a school uh, until before he passed. Anyway, um, and they don't need this headache now. they got enough problems with basketball. Right? Yeah. Oklahoma yeah. State yeah. And you've got a black head coach in basketball, Mike Boone. not need this. And Mike um, is you know, very, very outspoken. He's. I had him on my podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about everything that happened uh, after they got penalized with their postseason ban. So you wonder how Mike Boynton, how the basketball players feel about this. Um, you know, you know who could get this done. You know who could get Mike uh, Mike Gundy probably fired if Cade Cunningham right now said, "I will come to Oklahoma State and play basketball." If uh, Mike Gundy is not the, the football coach, I wonder what they do then. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Right. I mean, that would be that would be very. I, 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 it's unlikely to happen, but you know, boy, that would be interesting. Sure. No, but you know, Mike, Mike, as I said, Mike Van Gundy. I had enough of Mike Van Gundy. Mike, Mike excuse Gundy. me, Mike Van Gundy. Gundy. I like, I like the Van Gundy brothers. Let me go on record as saying I'm a fan of both of them. Okay, Mike Gundy. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we. I think his his time is up. That's his expiration date. I'm putting the stamp on it. You know, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I feel bad. I feel bad that Hubbard um, had to do that video because you know he didn't oh. want to. But, oh, I mean, but, that's like one of those hostage videos or something. I mean, come on. What, there's something we need to know how that came about. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. I feel bad uh, because I, I think uh, ultimately he wasn't wrong in, in, in what no, he tweeted it's not. Uh, about how insensitive um, – especially with everything going on lately. I, I just can't believe Mike Gundy could be that stupid um, no. to wear that, you know, again, but, but. Unless he's like perfectly committed. Either he's stupid or he doesn't care. To the cause. Okay, fine. He can be perfectly committed to, to that ideology. And, and, uh, and if he can then present himself as a leader to African-American, young African-American men. Amazing. Okay. That's, that's their, that's their call then. Right. Good I mean, luck. To you. Good luck to you coaching a bunch of, of, of black players who aren't going to respect you. And that's, yeah. that's part of the thing. If you don't have their respect, what? They're not going to play hard for you. If they don't play hard for you, you're not going to win any games. So you're going to be gone anyway. Well, um, but, but Oklahoma State, not a, good, not, not a good moment in history for them. They got us. Matthew Weeks. They got us. No doubt. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I'm off to Maine. 
So I'm going to yes. cut, this, uh, cut this now, and, and I'll let you know how that goes next week. By the way, you'll know you're in Maine when you see the sign. It says, beware of moose on the roadway, which you will see about six miles once you cross over the bridge at, on the Piscataqua River at, at Kittery. And about six miles up the road on the right-hand side, you'll see the first beware of moose on the roadway signs. Then you'll know, by golly, you've reached Maine. Listen, if I can have my lobster roll outside uh, this week, <laughs> I will. I will be ecstatic, uh, Bob. That that'll 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 give me a, a little bit of a sense of normalcy. Okay, That's well, you'll be able to tell me, uh, right? Have a great time. We'll, Thanks, we'll Bob. Appreciate right. it. Be safe, and we'll talk next week.